Hello and welcome to Beyond the Sermon. I am Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with Pastor Dave Endorf, and we are missing our third person who usually does all of this setup and have everything ready to go before we have an opportunity. So we're sorry that we're a little bit late and that and that we're behind on our time. But we wanted to to gather you all up so that we have an opportunity to once again discuss um, some of the intricacies from our sermons in the, over the past week. And so. Uh, we do welcome you to the show. Dave, would you like to give a good welcome to, to all the people who are joining in and who will listen after the recording? I'd like to give a good welcome. I don't know how, but I'd like to. <laughs> I thought about it. It's sitting on my kitchen table, so I don't have dad jokes, but I have pastor jokes. I have a book oh. that just is a pastor joke, so I might have to, on Thursday, bring bring that book and then we'll throw some pastor jokes out there because everyone's like, well, where's the dad jokes? Well, apparently um, only Pastor Dave Rudot can give a good dad joke because I can't come up with any decent dad jokes. Um, and so it is what it is. But we do welcome you to our show. Thank you for, for listening and being here with us. Um, so we have a couple of readings that are, are in the celebration of the Advent season. And uh, Pastor Dave Endorf here uh, is dealing with the second Sunday of Advent. So you're going to be dealing with first or second Peter, right? Three, eight through fourteen. Um, I didn't have an opportunity to preach uh, this this Sunday because we had uh, a special Advent service with with the musician that came, and so I did some minor devotions or little devotions throughout the service. But I am going to be going back to my midweek Advent service, and I did preach on Genesis chapter 3, 14 through 21. And so I'll, I'll bring and, and kind of walk us through what I did for, for that sermon as I had an opportunity to preach it uh, last Wednesday. So I think we both will have an Old Testament and we'll have a, a, a New Testament here uh, that we'll be able to see God's grace and preach the gospel. So if we would like to jump on in, we can certainly do that. Um, our first reading, I'm going to let you go first since you're going to be more apt on the following <laughs> with Advent 2. Um, so I'm going to let you take over here um, and I will throw on the share screen here for us. And so we have our reading here from Advent 2. It's the second reading. And uh, would you like me to read it for you? Probably be easier. Go ahead. All right, here we go. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, for the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow to do what he promised, as some consider slowness. Instead, he is patient for your sakes, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be dissolved as they burn with great heat, and the earth and what was done on it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be, living in holiness and godliness as you look forward to the hastening of or the hastening the coming of the day of God? That day will cause the heavens to be set on fire and destroyed and the elements to melt as they burn with great heat. But according to his promise, we look forward to new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, as you look forward to these things, make every effort to be found in peace, spotless and blameless in his sight. Word of the Lord. Because as I, I preached on this, my theme was um, look at things from God's viewpoint. And I, I talked about how, um, you know, my introduction was, you know, back in the day when we used to use a paper map and had a navigator who would would follow along on a paper map as we were driving someplace and tell us, you know, okay, after the third intersection, you turn right and how useful that was because they would keep you on track and that that's, that's what Peter is doing here in our, our second lesson and that um, he starts out by pointing out God's eternal 
nature, that God sees time differently than we do. And that's what, you know, the line, a, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a, a thousand years. And and I use that that picture of, you know, a timeline where, you know, for us, time is linear. It starts and then, you know, for us when we're born and then we go until we go to heaven. But for God, you know, he's always aware of everything. And so he sees, you know, when we're born and he sees when we, we go to heaven and he sees at the same time, you know, the creation of the world and he knows when Christ returns and, and he knows all of that all of the time. And um, I think that works better if, if I had a diagram to share. And, and so he sees time differently. And that means when he's keeping his promise, He's not being slow about it. You know, we are slow about our promises. We look at at saying, I'll be there at noon to help you move. And we show up at 1.30 because we hope that all of the heavy stuff will already be moved by then. You know, that it's not what Christ is doing. Christ is instead saving people. And, and so he is waiting because... He is saving more people. He doesn't want to cut anybody's time of grace short. And and that's not how we so often look at the world. You know, we doubt God's love. We doubt God's care. When we look at the problems in the world, we think God's forgotten us or is neglecting us. And, and Peter is saying exactly the opposite. No, your viewpoint is wrong. You think God is neglecting you because that's how we do it. <laughs> God loves you. He's patient. And so he asks us to be patient and to bear with one another. And, and then Peter goes on to talk about um, this patient God is coming back, this holy and, and, and righteous God is coming back. And this world is going to be destroyed by fire. And, and I, I said that you know, here's where our viewpoint is also off, that we tend to now go back to work righteousness, that, okay, we ought to live holy and blameless lives because we think that, you know, now God's going to judge us by our own work righteousness again. And no, that's not the point that Peter's making here. You know, and, and so we shouldn't think of this as, okay, now all of that stuff about the forgiveness of sins and righteousness by faith gets thrown out for Judgment Day, we should see this as, you know, a refiner's fire. You know, that that this is a lot like, you know, or connects to what Jesus is saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and, and steal. That because we know a holy and righteous God is is coming, we should do things that are eternal and everlasting, that are holy and righteous, because those are the things that endure, that everything else passes away and is destroyed, but the the righteous things endure. And, and so we share God's word because that lasts to eternity. And, and that's the type of people that we want to be. And that those are the types of things we want to do. And especially as we we share God's word then with uh, people who don't know it. We, we share the gospel with people who don't know it. So that not only are our, our words and, and actions things that endure to eternity, but that they endure to eternity as well. That seems like a, a wonderful verse to be able to to share with some, that's, you don't use, I mean, we hear it, but I don't know if many people that I've, I've actually heard tackle preaching that particular uh, set of verses from second Peter. Um, it's a beautiful text on dealing with the idea of how God is outside of time, which I think you did a really good job on uh, kind of bringing that up because we are bound by it and God is not. Um, and so what is, what is meaningful? Is it the stuff that we can gather throughout the time or is it, the thing that, that God gives us that transcends the time itself, which is his righteousness. So I think he did a great job with that. Um, challenges that you found with the text. I mean, I can look at the text and I'm, I'm, I just highlighted a couple of challenges that I'm like, 
these things would be difficult to to kind of circumvent. But what did what do you think? I, I think for me the big one, and, and I don't know if anybody listening caught it, is I, I didn't really preach the gospel in my sermon. I, I, I talked about how our viewpoint is wrong and how we need to see things from God's viewpoint and how we need to be patient and we need to take up our cross and, and follow Christ. But I did not preach the gospel, really. Um, so you had a, go- you had a gospel-free sermon. In minor ways, the gospel was there. You know, I, I pointed out that God is patient and, and forgiving, but I never I never applied the gospel to my listeners. Now was that really. intentional? No, it was it was purely a failing on my part. I, I know from talking to them afterwards that they so they heard it, but this was a failing on my part. Really, um, and it's something I could have easily done by pointing out, you know, this is the patience that God has with you, that 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 this is the love God has for you, that He has forgiven your sins. I could have talked talked about, you know, this is the righteousness that comes by by faith that you have because of of what God has done for you in in Christ. He has worked faith in your hearts and he credits that as righteousness. Um but I'll be honest, I Yeah, I, I think it's it's yeah. it is hard when you deal with a text because um especially in this case, I mean you're, you are dealing with importing the gospel a little bit um, because it is it is a text that is reminding us of what is coming. Um, and there's hope in that in the sense that that um, we who have things stored up for eternity I have nothing to fear. Um, but there is that warning that those who don't and who have gathered around themselves the things and the, the stuff of life, of this life, uh, will have something to fear. And, and, and so, I mean, you, importing the gospel into a text like that isn't, like you said, isn't hard. It, it shouldn't be difficult. I mean, the gospel affects on every aspect of life, and so it, it's not difficult. But so, and, and maybe, maybe, and that's why I asked if it was intentional, because, you know, um, I had Professor Tiefel, uh, who who taught us how to do our preaching, and, and sometimes he said, he goes, you don't want to do it all the time, but he said sometimes it's okay to leave them with a sermon that is more law. And, and, and it's okay to do that because in the service, right, in the service that you're doing, they're going to hear the gospel. And sometimes they need to hear that law section, and that needs to strike. Um, and he goes, I wouldn't, and he had said, I wouldn't do that like, all the time. And he says, I might not even do that most of the time. He said, you know, but, but sometimes it, it has to, it has to sit, you know, that, that has to be done. Really it was, you know, the, 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 the text is very much a lot third use of the law. Sure. You know, um, but one of those things you have to do as a pastor, is to sit back and say, okay, yes, the text is third use of the law, but I still also need to recognize that the law kills and that there are going to be members in the congregation who need to hear the gospel, who need to be reminded that you're going to struggle with the the third use of the law, but you are forgiven. And, and that's why Christ died for your sins. And, um, and, and so I, I agree with Professor Tiefel, and, and I also will say that there are many, have been many times in my, my ministry where I have taken comfort in the fact that there is gospel in the liturgy. And, right. Which, and that's one of the reasons why the liturgy is, because there's gospel there, and I right. know that you know, sometimes you get stuck in the weeds of a text and. Well, and that's what the beautiful and, and part of the liturgy is, like you said. 
I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah, it, yeah. It it covers for the failings of sinful preachers like all of us um, who yeah. who attempt to do this. We we are not always the best that we can be, and we're not always. And some, like you said, we sometimes we get lost in the conversation, and we're very textual. I mean, it's not that mm-hmm. that what we were presented was not textual. I mean, there it is. It's it is, you know, it is a very third use of the law, and and as. Maybe our listeners are probably wondering, what do we mean by the third use of the law? Um, so the law is, 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 can be used as a, as a mirror, or, or sometimes people will say the curb, um, where it curbs, it curbs gross sins, the mirror where it reflects back and you see yourself and, and your shortcomings. And then the third use would, would be that of the encouragement for the believer, right? Those who are already found in Christ, what now can they do in response to the love that God has given? Well, here it is. You know, live according to um, what God has made you to be. Um, and, and that has its own set of challenges with it. And so, I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's okay. You've been absolved. Do not. <laughs> the The gospel is for you. Uh, um, but you're not the only one. Where where I've I've had moments where I'm like that was really law heavy, and I don't know if I've really presented the gospel very well. Um, so and and there've been there've been moments where my I know because my mom is in my congregation where she's walked out and and we've been we gather for a lunch uh, lunch after service and she'll say, you know that sermon was really hit pretty hard. <laughs> And that was the indicator that maybe I should have, uh, maybe I didn't have the gospel in there as much as I thought I did or I should have. So I understand it. I, I too. Yeah. I, and I think the trap with the, the third use of the law is that, you know, there are a lot of blessings attached to the third use of the law. And, and that's what you see here, you know, that, um, you know, th- these things are going to be eternal and everlasting. That sure. a- as you live that sanctified life, you know, you're hastening the coming of the Lord. You're you're working to be spotless and, and blameless before God, that you get to lead a, a good and God-pleasing life, which is what the believer wants to do. That's what the new man wants to do. The, the, the new man rejoices in the law of God, and it makes you feel good. It gets you pumped up, like the, um, like the pregame speech before a, a football game. You know, it gets you pumped up, and you want to run through a brick wall. <laughs> you know, and and so you don't necessarily feel like the law hit you, and, and that's where um, you can kind of forget. Oh yeah, I got to preach the gospel too, right? Because right. P- people will think, you know, if you preach the law as a, a curb or a mirror, oh, you're a sinner and and you deserve punishment for your sins. It's easier in those cases for me to remember. Oh yeah, you got to preach the gospel too. But when it's the third use of the law with its with its uh, as a as a guide, this is how God wants you to live. These are the good things. This is where God wants to. You know, this is how God meant you to live. This is where God wants to bless you in a marriage or what sure. have you. It's harder there for me to, at least. And and I and you know it is harder because there's that sanctified part of everyone, right? That is sitting in the pew and and the pastor himself that's like, yeah, this, why not? This I should be preaching about this, and you don't feel the force of the law hitting you because, as you said um, previously, you know the law always condemns. Um, even in its third use, it will always condemn. And you don't feel it until all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I should be engaged in this, but I can't. Or I should be engaged in this, but I'm not doing it <laughs> to its fullest. And then you you feel the hit, right? You, you, you feel that hit of the law. And and so that's where it, it, it's sort of like the after effect. So um, it's, it's the sugar rush that you get when you drank all that soda and you're like, this was wonderful. And then all of a sudden you hit the down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. It, it's the sugar rush, you know, because it feels good on a, on a Sunday morning with the light coming through the stained glass windows. And, yeah. you know, but then when you're, um, you know, arguing with your wife or you're yelling at your kids or your your boss is an idiot or, you know, then you don't want to be holy and blameless. You you want to yell. You want to, you know, 
Yep. Oh, I totally get it. And then you're like, oh, shoot. You know, I think Pastor just told us about that. Well, I'm not that good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are those uh-huh. issues. Well, thank you very much. So, yeah, very, very good. Um, that is a, a wonderful text to preach on. I think you did a really good job, whether you think you brought out the gospel or not. I, I think that's a hard text to preach, and, and I, I think you did a good job with it. Um, I I can tell you for a fact, in you know my years of ministry, I've never had the courage to tackle that text um, when it's come around. And so um, it's kind of neat to see someone that has and, and to hear kind of the thoughts behind it. So uh, very much appreciate that. So thanks. Well, um, I'm going to queue up here if, if, my computer allows, which it should, I hope. Um, I'm going to queue up our next section here. And this is, uh, um, we're looking at Genesis chapter 3. And, and this sermon was uh, midweek Advent. So midweek Advent 1, but it's it's kind of my own little series. Um, I, I kind of read a little bit about it. It's uh, the uh, Clothing of the King. It's a, it's a series that... Had some good ideas that I, I kind of took from 1517.org, um, and I thought that, hey, that'd be a pretty short, nice series to go through, and, uh, and so I put together the sermons for it. And this one is Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse uh, 14, and uh, it is the as follows. Uh, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the livestock and more than every wild animal. You shall crawl on your belly, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he will crush your head, and you will crush his heel. And the woman said, I will, uh, to the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pain in childbearing. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat from it. The soil is cursed on account of you. You will eat from it with painful labor all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles will spring up from the ground for you, but you will eat the crops of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the soil. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And then the final two verses of their text, 20 and 21. The man named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all the living And the Lord God made clothing of animal skins for Adam and for his wife and clothed them. That's the text that we kind of dealt with. So as I had an opportunity to um, kind of deal with this text, and I want to get this up here for us, um, I wanted to focus on, on part of the text that I don't think many of us really uh, stopped to, to consider. And the, the part that I wanted to focus on was, was really the, the ending of um, 21. And 21 dealt with um, how the Lord clothed our nakedness, uh, our Adam and Eve's nakedness. And so I kind of did a backtrack and I started my sermon and, and I started my sermons like, you know, what would you do for somebody who has hurt you? And, and it's kind of threw out a general question, you know, like, like if somebody hurt you, would you go out of your way to help them with a ride? Uh, if someone had hurt you, would you go out of their way to give them some money, loan them 20 bucks? Um, and, and I said, maybe the question is a little vague because we were thinking, well, how long ago did they hurt me? Like, did they, did they hurt me? Did they offend me many, many years ago? And I've been able to kind of grow beyond it. Um, was it a couple of months ago? And I'm still maybe wrestling with it, but I'm not as angry as I once was. And I said, so let me bring it a little bit closer. What if it was uh, you walked into your house and you found your spouse cheating on you and the guy that they're cheating with or your spouse who has just been caught cheating all of a sudden asks you for a favor? Would you be willing, would you be willing to help them out? I said, or better yet, what if I, I came down out of the pulpit and I just went and punched you in the face and then asked you for some money? I said, would you, would you be, what would you be willing to do for me? And I said, uh, you know, that changes the scope 
of things, right? It, 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 you would look at that and say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything for you. The anger, which would probably be justified in those, those circumstances, you would not want to do anything for them, help them at all. And I said, and yet here we have in our lesson, our Lord doing the exact opposite of what we would do. And I said, in fact, the things that we have in our lesson, you almost would say would be before the fall and yet all happen after the fall. I said the, the promise of the Lord conquering on our behalf, the promise of, of the Lord covering our nakedness all happens after the fall, not before. And I said, so when you, you lead up to all the gifts that God has given and you have that wonderful lead up, you know, God had given everything, he created everything. So I, I reviewed a little bit of what Genesis was up until this point. God God making everything for his people. And and then he places Adam in the middle of the garden and he gives to Adam this this uh, beautiful companion. You have the first song ever sung um, as, as Adam sings over his wife um, who's now been given to him. And then and then all of a sudden that turns around and and they listen to a serpent who's talking to them, which may be the first indicator that something is probably wrong. And, and he's leading them to think that, that God didn't want them to be just like him. God was withholding from them. God, God didn't want uh, them to have all of their potential. And, and so he's saying, you want to eat from this. It's okay. And and I, and I said, you know, and then it starts to weasel its way into the woman's mind and into the man's mind who's standing with her that not only is the fruit looking good, not only is, is, it, is it pleasing to the eye, but it's going to be good for knowledge, that they're going to become like God, they're going to usurp God. And I said, and so in that moment, they reached out, they grabbed the fruit, and they gave the middle finger to God. And I said, I know that sounds really crass to say it that way, but um, it's the truth, right? We, we gave the middle finger to God and said, God... We know better. God, we can do it on our own. God, get out of the way. And I said, it's, it's less of a fall down, but more of a, an attempt to fall up, um, to usurp God and, and place us as on equal footing or more important than him. And I said, and it's at that moment when, when really we deserved to be condemned, we deserved all the punishment that, we, that, that, that rightfully should have been ours, that God steps in and he does something different. And I said, and it's the same today because we're, we are no different. We still want to usurp God. We, we want to and continue to give God the middle finger. We continue to say, God, um, we know better how to direct our life. We know better what to do. We know better how to conduct ourselves. Um, you don't tell me what to do. We tell you how it's going to be. And then when all the chips are down, and after we've committed such a sin, we recognize our own guilt and we recognize our own shame. We recognize that everything that I have done and I, I feel it in my bones, I can't hide from it. I can't cover it up. Uh, like Adam and Eve, we tried to sew together like the, the, the leaves, right? We try to sew together the leaves, but the leaves don't cover us. Um, they, they don't take away what we've done. We, we try to hide, but God knows exactly where we are. It's not as if um, that bush is really keeping anything hidden. Um, and so we're still called the task. And we see that we're naked before our Lord, not, not just physically, but that our spirits are naked before him as the sinners that we are. And it's at that moment the Lord comes in and he, he not only questions us and gives us opportunity to repent, and when we refuse to repent, he takes action on his own. And you have the list of curses that are listed listed there, and the first is to the serpent, right? The first is is to the serpent, where you have that that proto angelion, the, the first gospel ever shared. Not only in the curse of the the serpent, where he will be on forever on his belly, but but there is going to be this tension now between the woman and the serpent, and and the tension will be broken when the seed of the woman, this is this is the promise of Christ, is coming, and then he will conquer the serpent. He will conquer that which caused us to sin and, and led us astray and and yet he will not go away unscathed. This is this is, you know, the crucifixion being foreshadowed here in that first gospel message. And I said in that and part of that curse is is the very the very relationship that women want with their husbands, the very relationship that we hoped would be there is going to be broken. And that the very gift of of children that would be awesome and amazing for for each of our ladies is is going to be uh, taken from them and now something that is going to be painful and something that is going to be um, a chore. Uh, the very 
work that the the man was supposed to do that would be enjoyable for them and, and a part of giving not only to the family but also as reward and living in this perfect world of our God is now going to be one of, of curses, is, is one of sweat and labor and toil. And I said, but but really, uh, not only along with all of those things were they given, not only is the promise of a Savior given, not only is there a result, a, a, a thing that we're going to have to live through because we are sinners now, but then our Lord does something he shouldn't have had to do, and, and that is he takes from his innocent creation, he takes a portion of now something that will have to suffer on our behalf, and he clothes us with it. And it is that foretaste of fashion, um, the foretaste of fashion that that our Lord he he recognizes our nakedness and says they can't cover themselves, and so he covers them and he fashions the clothing to do it. And you fast forward in into the years that became a pattern. Um, you have the offerings that were given in the temple of the lamb that his blood would cover the sins of the people. You have the Lamb's blood that would allow the angel of death to pass over God's people. And you fast forward into the years, and, and that Lamb's blood became a robe of righteousness, and that God would drape over his people. Um, and that became a robe that, that the Lord would see, and now no longer see our sin, but see his work on our behalf. And I said, and, and then you fast forward even further, and you see that robe, you see that that skin that would be the garment that we would wear wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger as he brought it to bear his promise. And then you'd see that robe walk in our place and live in our place. You see that robe um, doing all the things that we should have done in the way that we should have done it and never did it. And, and you see him live for us and we see him then die for us as he takes on our sin. Um, and from his words, from his lips, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And, and so then I, I kind of fast forward it to, to Paul's words where, where it brings it home for all those who have been baptized into Christ have been put to death with him and raised with him. And how Paul in Colossians so beautifully says that those who have been baptized have put on Christ. And they wear Christ. And so God sees Christ. He sees his robe of righteousness. He sees the innocent one who, who bled and died for you to cover you from your nakedness. Um, and he sees now not you, not the sinner that you are, but he sees his son. He sees Christ um, in all of the places that you should be seen. He sees now his boy and he sees him covering you. And so I, I said, you know, it's, it's amazing the fashion that God has chosen for us. And you have a foretaste of it in the very garden that, that he would make a garment for us to cover our nakedness. And he did. And here he is, Christ Jesus, um, our Lord. And so that was my, my sermon for um, our midweek Lenten or Advent service. Um, so that was, that was kind of the way that I went. I like it. Yeah. I didn't tackle everything in the in Genesis three. I mean you there's so so much there to to tackle. So but I mean you you only have forty five minutes to do it, so it'd be kinda hard to <laughs> And I actually I was actually I, I was able to finish the sermon in, in just under forty five minutes. So no. Um, oh good. <laughs> I think we were only about uh fifteen or so. So I was able, I talked really fast. So, nice. <laughs> um, but no, it was one of those sections, you know, it was, it was interesting take um, when I was doing my, my sermon prep, because it's that, that one, it's, it's that one little sentence, right. That we kind of gloss right over. Um, Cause we're coming out of the, we're coming out of the, the curses. We're coming out of the, the, the chastisement and the discipline that the the Lord gives to us um, in the garden. And we have the proto-angelion, that, that first gospel that is there. And we're like, yes, Genesis, you know, three, um, you know, you want to do, do that verse 14 and 15, 16. And, and you take those and you're like, these are, these are the, the points that we want to hit. 
Um, but it's, it's really kind of a beautiful thing when you get to 21 and you, or even in 20 where you focus on, well, you know, I guess Adam understood it because he's like, he names Eve, Eve, right? He, he, and so you then gloss over, but that, that 21, the fact that, that Adam and Eve were, were, were ill-equipped, unable to, to clothe themselves. They were unable to, to cover their own nakedness, um, both spiritually we know already, but but even physically they were unable to cover themselves. And and the Lord who had just been spit in the face, the Lord who had just been 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 kind of thrown out of out of the heart of his creation, um he he not only promises himself and says, I'm gonna conquer for you, but I'm I'm gonna clothe you. And and he he makes clothes. And it's interesting, it's it's he makes garments of skins. So it's 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 a beautiful phrasing in Genesis, um, which I didn't have a chance to maybe break down because it'd take forever to say, let's go back to the Hebrew and let's break this down. You know, it's it's that beautiful that the beautiful comment, though, of he made garments of skins. Um, and I know you can go back and you can look at a bunch of commentaries and they'll say, well, what does it mean to make a garment of skin? Was it leather? Um, did he kill an animal? Did he bleed it out? Did he do all this stuff? And, and I mean, you could probably try to talk a little bit about that, but just take the comment for what it is. Um, the comment for what it is, is, is he, it was the skin of something else over your skin. Um, and how beautiful that is when you see, Paul's words by the Spirit, you've been clothed with Christ. Christ's skin over you. You. And as we look at that, I think that that, that touches one of those things that, that we always want from God is that immediate miracle, that direct miracle of it just appears poof, like God is a, a genie. And and you kind of have that there with the, the clothing of them with skins. And so we focus on that of, okay, so how did it work here? Because right. that's what we always want. And that's what we want to focus on. But what you brought out, which I appreciate is, you know, the love of God and, and the mercy behind it, that here you have these two helpless sinners who have separated themselves from God. And and that's the important part. It's the love of God, the grace, the mercy behind it that that we should focus on. Yeah. And it is it is all grace and mercy. None of none of us. We have done nothing. We deserve nothing. Um and and it is God's grace alone that He He says, I'm still gonna clothe you. You're you're still my kids. You're still my children. Um you know, I, I I have a sinking suspicion, although it's maybe never detailed, uh, except in, in, of course, Hebrews 11. Um, I know Adam and Eve were believers. I, I wonder, in that fall, and in their, in their denial, and then in that first promise, you, know, you see a complete and utter turnaround of, of their life. Um, you don't hear them complaining. Oh, this is too. This is too unfair, Lord. That that uh, um, childbearing is going to be hard. This is too unfair, Lord. Um, that my relationship with my husband is not going to be the way that I want it. This is too unfair, Lord. That thorns and thistles are going to grow up now um, in in place of of the wheat that I would love to to have in the field and the work that I want to do. I'm never going to get the best reward. This is too unfair, Lord. Instead, you have you have that beautiful reaction of. My wife is going to bear the Savior who is going to correct what what we did wrong. And it's not unfair yeah. because we could have died <laughs> and we should have died. That was the promise. Um and and we didn't yet. Um and and I think in that you you see that you know, this popular idea that that Adam and Eve were somehow infants or, or or babes is completely wrong you know that that intellectually you know they they had understanding they and so when they're talking with god they're not idiots right you know that's not why they fell into sin 
they fell into sin because they were tempted and they rebelled against God. Um, and, and so it was not a failing in God's creation that led them to sin. It was their own choice. It was their own decision to listen to the serpent. Yeah, yeah. And and when they fell, they they recognized their own lustful thoughts for each other. Um, I mean, they, they. I mean, that's the other. And I touched on it a little bit, I think, in the sermon. If I go back and and kind of look at my memory, but there is that um, that idea of of why did they attempt to clothe themselves when they were married and they were together as a couple and there's no one else around. Um, why did they attempt to clothe themselves, uh, themselves? And, and I think, you know, there's that part that I, like I said, and, and it wasn't the focus. The focus was, I wanted to focus on, on the clothing that God has given to us, that, that fashion that we are going to see as we're clothed in Christ because of his work on our behalf and, and for what he does. But there is that, that part of, there is that part of us that recognize that even in a married relationship, even in even in the gift of marriage that God gave in the garden, that institution of family, and its first first roots there of family in the garden, that when sin came into the world, it took that very wonderful thing and it turned it, and and now now Adam looked at his wife as as not as this wonderful gift and companion, but now a plaything. Um, uh, um, an object of his own lusts and his, his object of a, desire, uh, of a desire. And and his wife viewed the same, that, that this was, uh, I could maybe control him. I could maybe use my wiles to get my way. And, and you see these, and, and, just, and I know we don't have it explicitly explained that way, but the fact that they looked at each other and recognized their nakedness, Right? They looked at each other and recognized um, there there was shame there, there was guilt there, there was something there. Um, I mean, you could you could have an entire sermon just on that, on on how even in a married relationship, because of sin, that happens, right? Um, we start looking at our partner in in ways that are not the good and, and God pleasing way, but in in the way that we we defend and say, but we're married, so it's okay. Well, but is it? <laughs> You know, um, or is that just our own sinful nature trying to find an out um, so that it can it can think the way it wants to think, act the way it wants to act, um, and abuse that wonderful gift that God had, had, had given to us? And there certainly are those problems, but on the, on the flip side, there, there's also that that personal shame of being naked that is a possibility as well you know i'm naked i'm i'm vulnerable i'm yeah. oh there is that oh you can go so many ways i i'm no doubt yeah. no doubt you can go so many ways um but i mean it's it's interesting though that i guess it what makes it interesting is 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 um what makes it interesting is the way the lord comments so mm -hmm. in the curse and that's kind of what leads me to maybe down my path of the understanding what that nakedness was. But the, the, um, the curse, right? The curse to the woman is childbearing and you will desire your husband, but he's going to rule over you. I mean, that, that, I mean, were the consequences of sin and the curse of sin far more than what was said and recorded for us in those? Absolutely. But 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 the Lord God highlights the relationship. I can see that. Uh, I, I guess for me, it's it's that ashamed part makes it more personal. Sure. But uh, and like I said, I'm not denying any of that because it's it's part that. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a part of it, and I and I'm not saying you're wrong because I mean, yeah, there is shame, there is guilt, there is, there is a you know we've we've disobeyed the Lord, and now we know intimately the sin that we knew in our head we shouldn't have committed. Um, I mean, there's all of those things that that come along with it. I just 
I mean, why did the Lord highlight the relationship to Eve? Because, you know, the, the greatest desire of her heart would be for, for a loving um, and, and wonderful companion to walk life with her, and, and she's never going to get it. Um, it. It's going to forever be broken. Yeah, well, and, and part of that, I, I would say, is that in the loss of the image of God, the, those areas where we would serve one another are are what you see reflected in the curse of sin you know the 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 wife as she gives birth is obviously an act of service where where she has that relationship also as a wife you know that that is no longer going to be an an act of of service in the the positive way that we see from the godhead it's now the the horrible way we see in the world you know, and for the husband, it's not the the supportive building up kind of way as a provider. It's now by the sweat of your brow, you're going to do it. It's a burden. It's a frustration, you know. Um, and so you, you think about what it should have been for the husband, sure. you know, where you can provide for somebody and help them to grow and see what they become and, and rejoice in them. You know, the way God rejoices in us as, as his children. And and that's the, the, the sacrificial leadership he wants for men. It's now flipped on its head of... Okay, your service is one frustration after another for the people, for your family, and the people you love and you care about. And it's the, the same way for wives in in their acts of service for each other. Um, oh, yeah. And so you're naked. I, and so you're <laughs> naked, yeah. And, I, I, this is one of those areas where I got a lot of questions for God. I don't want to know more about this. I know more than enough about sin. I'm when I get to heaven, it's going to be all the happy questions. Like, let's see all the neat stuff about how it worked out and, and the joys and the blessings. Let's talk about those things and and questions like this. Forget it. Just (laughs) let's not. Yeah. These, these are the questions for now, right? Um, As we are sinners dealing with our own sin and, and we, we look at it. Um, we had a, a really good uh, circuit meeting yesterday, and, and, and we had a discussion about the, a book called The 3D Gospel. And it was uh, dealing with how we're in a society where, where maybe we have a changing demographic, that there's guilt and innocence, shame and, and honor, um, different societies that focus on those different things. And then, and then, of course, maybe the supernatural society that deals with more fear, um, with an idea of fear and what's the opposite of fear, uh, fearless, I guess. I don't know. Um, courage, courage. There you go. Um, and, uh, um, and how the book kind of deals with this idea that, that our society is in flux. It's changing. We're becoming a more shame and honor society, um, than what we originally were in the United States, which, uh, which was a guilt, innocence society. But he's saying that the, the whole idea of the book is how, Throughout every step of the, the the Bible, God deals with all of those concepts, and and He so for the one who feels guilty, He pronounces innocence, and for the one who who is dealing with shame, He gives honor, and for the one who um, is fearful, He provides courage, and throughout all the pages of Scripture, all the different times and occurrences, you know, He you can see Him dealing in all of those ways with his gospel. Um, so the person who doesn't feel shame, but feels the guilt of, of a sin, he, he pronounces your innocence. One who is feeling the shame of the things that they've done and how they've shamed the family and they're outside, outside the realm. He now gives honor by bringing them and adopting them in. Um, just a beautiful, I think, picture of, of that. And you see it there in, in the garden, right? Um, those who are guilty, those who are feeling shame, um, you feel, they see the, you see the guilt in, in their response, let's cast the blame on someone else. You feel the shame or you see the shame in their nakedness. You see the fear in their hiding. And, and what does the Lord do? The Lord gives them courage by pronouncing the gospel. He declares their innocence by promising his son. He, he covers their shame by honoring them, by, by making them clothes and, and, 
and and giving to them his grace. Um, all of those things kind of wrap themselves around just a beautiful, beautiful start to gospel proclamation, even in the midst of the most horrible time in, of human history in the fall into sin. Yes. So, well, that's it then for, for my sermon. Um, so next week, I, again, I will have an opportunity uh, to probably be preaching on our, our midweek Advent service because we have a kids program uh, for our, our early childhood this upcoming weekend. Um, so you're going to be dealing with Advent 3? Is that where you're, you're going? That is my plan. All I have right. yet to pick my text because I want to preach on all three of them. So <laughs> well, you should just do a compilation and say we're gonna tackle a little bit of every and 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 we're gonna have just a general theme. Advent yeah, three. Just get comfortable, people. <laughs> you got forty five minutes for a while. You got yeah. just just have a service with a couple of hymns and and Lord's prayer, and then forty five minutes of of just good Bible, good sound Bible That's... teaching. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, dear listeners, for hanging out with us and and, and coming to join us. Uh, we're glad that you were here. Uh, we will be getting together on Thursday. I, I don't know. Is Dave going to be with us or is he still on recovery? It did not sound like he would because he said he was looking forward to listening. Okay. So, uh, so it will just be the two of us again. And we, we keep, um, you know, Dave's health, of course, in our prayers as, as he continues to kind of uh, battle his way back from from some of the things that are ailing him. Uh, but this Thursday, we will be kind of still pursuing What's the Difference Anyway, uh, a new series that we've been working on in our regular Casting Nets podcast. Um, this week, we will be dealing with the idea and the concept of free will. Uh, so if you've had some questions about free will, questions about how that works, is there such a thing, uh, or any of the, the questions that might come in between, um, this would be the podcast to listen to for for this Thursday, and so we'll be we'll hopefully be answering some of those questions for you. And then uh, again on Tuesday we'll be joining for uh, beyond the sermon uh, Thursday. Um, so Thursday the twenty first will begin our kind of vacation time, and so we will not be getting together on the twenty first or the week of Christmas. Um, so you won't have anything there. And then the first, we won't be on, so that uh, would be the second. I, I don't think we'll be on because we'll still be coming off of the, the vacation time. And so you probably have a couple of weeks where you won't hear from us uh, because of the season to be with family and, and to enjoy our time with them. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Oh, that's all I got. All right. Well, then we will see you on Thursday. God's richest blessings as you go about your day and uh, stay for the gospel. And if you are a Broncos fan, this podcast was for you, apparently, right? <laughs> Even for you. Even for yes. you. There you go. Yes. Blessings.